We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. DFS Podcast Friday edition for this weekend's NFL games, folks. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John McKechnie, who's an entertaining and informative follow at Johnny McKex. Well, it's Friday, and that means we get to put on a bow onto the, the weekly Rotowire series of position-based podcasts, John, where we'll take a look at the kicker options and then come up with our best recommendations for full lineups as... Uh, you and I share our top picks at each position. These choices will make up our FanDuel rosters for this week's games and our uh, entries into the staff uh, games too, I'm sure. But before we get into it, John, I, I feel obliged to chirp you a little bit after the fact sure. the way I gave you the floor last week. And uh, a, a funny thing happened in the wild card game, didn't it? I mean, seriously, folks, a walk-off home run shot by Edwin Encarnacion. Well, uh, your manager who proclaims himself as one of the brilliant guys in baseball, left the best closer in, in the majors staple to the bench. Uh, all I can say is, wow, John, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, oh you're not pulling any punches. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot I, I'm, I can really say. It's, it's, uh, I don't know how you don't use Zach Britton to, you know, against the heart of that that uh, Blue Jays order when you got you know Devin Travis, Josh Donaldson, and Evan Encarnacion coming up. Um, yeah, there's not not really. It doesn't really look good when Ubaldo Jimenez is throwing like the the biggest meatball 
you could possibly throw down the middle of the plate, and you, you knew it's it's gone. But before like the bat even leaves uh, Edwin's shoulders, like that's how bad that pitch was. So I mean, they deserve to lose for that. Absolutely. And it's a shame because uh, you know all summer, all winter long, you're going to be able to. Think back to that memory and say, you know, we had the best <laughs> closer. Sorry about it, but the, the best closer in baseball, sitting on the bench, really dumb, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, uh, you aside, John, this Buck Showalter guy, I've had enough of him, and, and I'm kind of glad All right. that, he, that he wears this. He's been, he's been a very arrogant guy for a long time, and uh, um, I, I'm kind of glad we got our folksy guy who, who kind of outfoxed him in a, in a bit of a sly way, and... Uh, you know, moving on to yesterday, a 10-1 shellacking. Uh, again, the Blue Jay fans are laughing a bit because Jose Bautista pumps a three-run shot that climaxes a 10-1 shellacking when they're booing the heck out of this guy for, for taking a punch after knocking them out last year. So it's all, all gold for me right now. <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, I'd imagine so. We'll see what happens but, uh, going forward. But we're here to talk football, and you've been a good sport, John, so let's dive right, right into the football talk. There was a divisional game last night in the NFC West between a couple of floundering clubs, the Niners and the Cards. Your thoughts on the tilt, and uh, please highlight the, the guys that surprised or delivered in FanDuel. Um, well, obviously, coming into the game, I was concerned about the Cardinals because they were just coming off a home loss uh, to the Rams. And, you know, the Rams, for, what it, for whatever reason, they're 3-1 they're and one right now. They're playing a great brand of defense, but... Uh, the problem I had with, with the Cardinals coming in, in addition to that, was was the quick turnaround and Carson Palmer being out. I didn't think that Drew Stanton would be able to move the ball on that San Francisco defense, but obviously he was able to do that. And then no Navarro Bowman for that 49ers defense allowed David Johnson to kind of run wild. And then uh, I think as, as is becoming the weekly uh, sort of happenings, uh, Blaine Gabbert just really doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. Uh, that I think any sort of idea that, that maybe he, he's turning his career around or what have you, uh, those seem to be out the door. He just doesn't look uh, comfortable back there. So I, it's only a matter of time until Kaepernick uh, reclaims that job, in my opinion. Uh, those are my main takeaways. I think the Cardinals really needed that win just to sort of get back, get themselves back on track and start getting back towards uh, their expectations of being a, a playoff team out of the West. Yeah, in addition to the, those you mentioned, I have to give a nod to Larry Fitzgerald, a good possession receiver who's had a great start to his season, comes away with two touchdowns and, and about a 20-point total that, that looks good on my roster in our, in our staff pool. So I'm living a charmed existence, and I'm pretty happy with that output. Uh, from uh, one of the veteran receivers in the league who, who delivered. And on the other side of the ball, you're right, it was a complete disaster for Gabbard and company. And, uh, yeah, you can expect to see Kaepernick in there sooner rather than later, I would think. And he gets to put his money where his mouth is. Uh, he gets to deliver on the field. And I'd like to see him try and reclaim the, the kind of profile he had when he was uh, one of the most dangerous weapons uh, in all of football, the way he ran uh, when the pass wasn't there and really threatened with his feet as much as his arm. So we'll mm -hmm. see if he gets that shot. But I want to go through a couple of quick question and answers with you. Uh, some questions that were tossed my way in another appearance that I did this week. I want to get your slant on, on these issues. First of all, uh, some guy named Brady gets a shot at the Pat Patriots quarterbacking position this week. How do you think he's going to do in his 2016 debut, John? I think it's just going to be, um, to quote the great Steve Smith, it's going to be blood and guts. It's just... <laughs> 
it's going to be just mayhem. I think, you know, the poor hapless Browns, of course, would get the first game against the Patriots when, when Tom Brady comes back from his suspension, ready to roll. Um, and I understand there's an argument that, you know, uh, Brady's lack of practice time and, you know, time away from the team uh, might lead to a little bit of rust. But, I mean, that guy, uh, he's such a professional. He's so well prepared. I, I just can't imagine him not just absolutely tearing it up, and I think that's gonna that's gonna help with uh, Gronkowski as well. I, 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 as you'll see later in the show, I'm predicting Gronk to sort of get himself uh, back on track. I think Brady coming back uh, makes one of the biggest impacts you could possibly have on a single football team. And what do you think it does to their running game? Do you think they pull back the reins on on Legarrette Blunt and maybe just go all pass happy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it they're uh, it's gonna go back a little bit to. The Patriots of old, uh, you know, from from our fantasy perspective, where you never really wanted to own a, a Patriots running back because you never knew which way it was going to go. I think there's a chance that James White starts to get a little bit more involved because he's more of the pass catching threat, and they're going to be throwing it more with Brady in there. So uh, I'm hoping that that uh, all my James White shares maybe start to pay off now that Brady's back in the fold and and. Uh, I won't get burned so much for not having LeGarrette blown. What do you think about Odell Beckham? Uh, not delivering the goods so far this year, a bit of a funk and, and drawing headlines for stuff that's not even football related, just his antics on the field kind of bother me in addition to the fact that he's not producing. What's up with him, John? I mean, I'm 25. I don't really consider myself like this old crotchety football fan that, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, I'll stay in your lane and this and that, but uh, just watching Odell, it's, it's, He's, he's so easy to become unhinged. Like, uh, just his first reception the other night, Xavier Rhodes kind of gives him a little bit extracurriculars as they're going out of bounds. And it, before, before it even happened, you just knew that he was going to spaz out, and that's exactly what he did. Um, so he just, needs to, he just needs to chill out. I, I don't really know what else to say, but at this point, it's becoming it, – there's a formula to – to slowing Odell Beckham down, and it's it's just getting in his head, being physical, and and uh, he just is gonna he's gonna become unhinged any single time that you do it. It's very obvious. Now, John, but in the preseason rankings, this guy who was running back in the L.A. Rams lineup, Gurley, he, he was supposed to be the the big thing. He had a thousand yards in in ten games last year. Had a great debut as a rookie. Things are not not working out nearly as expected. In fact, I I thought this was going to happen because. I'm just so concerned about their lack of quality uh, at quarterback as long as they don't give Goff the, the reins. They have no chance of setting up a, a decent passing game, and I thought teams would load up on this guy in the box and limit his yardage, and, and they don't have the, uh, the greatest of offensive lines. Do you agree or disagree with that assessment? Do you expect more from this guy going forward? I mean, uh, you figure eventually that he's going to he's be able to put some productive weeks together, but obviously... Uh, he's way off pace from hitting uh, his projections, and it, I don't think it's really anything with him. Uh, I think there have been weeks where he's averaged more yards after contact than, than he had actual yards per carry. I mean, they, the guy is just getting hit in the backfield. Defenses are loading up against them because, you know, nobody's scared of Case Keenum, and nobody's scared of the wide receivers. So, so they know if you just stop, stop early, you're going to stop the Rams for the most part. And, you know, the Rams' defense has been up to the t challenge, so, you know, they've been able to win these low-scoring close games, but it's, 
it's just going to continue to be that. It's just going to be like the Rams not really producing much on offense, and you know that means Gurley not really doing a whole lot just because he's facing these eight-man fronts, and it's impossible to find any room to run against those. John, there's a 37-year-old wide receiver for Baltimore who's lighting it up, and I'm throwing you a bone here because you were such a good sport with my opening ambush of you. Can Steve Smith continue this re recent level of productivity, my friend? I mean, as long as he's healthy, he's, he's absolutely going to get the targets because he's, he's not quite the, the deep guy the way that, that Mike Wallace is, per se. But, I mean, Flacco loves hitting him in the short and intermediate game. And you can obviously see, you know, judging from last week's uh, touchdown, uh, Smith has still got that, that fire to him. And he, he can still make plays uh, after the catch. So I think that uh, he should continue to be a, a pretty solid, uh, bankable option. He's going to continue to see... Uh, probably the most targets on the team, I would imagine. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that he's he's off to a great season. I think this is, you know, sustainable for the most part. Uh, as far as his FanDuel price is concerned, you know, when, once it gets up over 7,000, maybe you'll want to start looking in, in other directions just because that Baltimore passing game as a whole isn't great. But I think Steve Smith, uh, if you didn't already think he was the best receiver on that team, I mean, he's, you have to be convinced at this point. And finally, John, before we get into our positional analyses, uh, Cam Newton sat out practice uh, in concussion protocol. Your reaction to all that? He's taken a, a beating so far this year, in my eyes. Yeah, the, the Panthers' uh, offensive line has done him no favors. Um, he's he's getting hit. It's not it's not even like a oh, oh Cam's been running too much type of deal. Although uh, you know last week it, it, that sort of when he got uh, cracked by Deion Jones, but uh, he's been getting sacked. Uh, you know, very, very often as far as Cam is concerned. Uh, I mean, I know that the Vikings got to him, I believe, eight times in their matchup a few weeks ago. Uh, it's just really ugly right now for, for the Panthers. And if Cam Newton can't go, I know that Derek Anderson is, is a pretty competent backup, but Cam's, I mean, Cam's the reigning MVP. Like, w without him and then Jonathan Stewart banged up, uh, you know, the, the Panthers are looking at it at a slow start that, that's going to put them really behind the eight ball in their division. So they, they need to protect him and get him healthy. Okay, John, as I said in the opening, we're going to finish up our weekly show cycle with a look at the top kicker values on the board. So why don't you give me yours and I'll give mine and we'll get going here. All right, I'm going to go with uh, Brandon McManus of the Broncos here. He's sitting at 4,700, so about, about a mid-priced option uh, as far as your kickers are concerned. He's been accurate thus far this season. Not as many attempts as you would like from a kicker uh, through through four games, but, you know, he's 7 out of 8 thus far. Uh, he's kicking at home in Denver. Uh, you got to love a kicker that's, that's in Denver. Uh, that, that altitude extends his range, gives you the upside of him hitting a 40 to 50 yarder. And I think the Falcons are going to be able to, to uh, score enough to where the Broncos are going to need to need to push, need to score some points here. So I think that McManus is going to get his, his fair share at, pl at plenty of opportunities uh, this Sunday. I think he's going to bump up uh, that 7 out of 8 to maybe like a... Uh, maybe a 10 out of 11 type of deal. So I, I really like uh, the upside there, and I think the floor is, uh, is uh, very bankable as well. Well, and I'm going to go with a guy, a similar profile for me, Mason Crosby. Uh, we haven't really seen the Green Bay offense get on track so far this season, particularly in their passing game. And making this pick, John, I'm always looking for a mismatch that gives me an affordable option in the kicking game too. 
the Packers running game came around last week, and this week I think Aaron Rodgers and company get it going in the passing game, and I'm counting on the Packers to run up a big score here as they check all the boxes for me, and that's why basically I make Crosby my pick over here. So uh, with that, let's uh, give a nod to our friends at FanDuel, John. We're reminding people that uh, fantasy football fans, we have all the victory for you every Sunday. FanDuel, where fantasy football for everyday fans New contests starting every week, no busted seasons, just pick a contest, choose your team and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's upgraded experience, get even more con con contest variety, try beginner contests for new players only, settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head -head contest, try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash, play in larger tournaments for even more excitement, play for a dollar where choices are there for every budget. Uh, John, you know, I'm having a ball with the fact that, that the Cowboys are three and one. I was totally not expecting this, and you were down on the Ravens. Uh, they're also three and one. Uh, so we're pretty happy with our teams in the, in the first quarter of the season. Do you think either of us should be concerned the rest of the way? I've got a particular wonderment about me in terms of what the quarterback situation in Dallas is going to look like. I'm pretty sure they're going to have to turn the reins over to Tony Romo if he comes back healthy. What do you think about that possibility? Yeah, I think, you know, for as good as, as Dak is, uh, I think you need to bring Romo back. I, I think Dak's performance basically ensures that maybe Romo won't be back this time next year. But I think as far as this year is concerned, I think that uh, this team is built to where they want uh, Romo at the helm uh, to, you know, they want to give him one more shot to, to take the Cowboys on a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I can't imagine a situation where he's healthy and on, on the bench. And we've also already highlighted 37-year-old wide receiver in, uh, on your favorite team who I admire this guy. He's a pro's pro, Smith, uh, Steve Smith, and, and uh, a lot of other Ravens players are playing above, above what we expected, and certainly you, I'm sure. So uh, do you think that's sustainable in, in your neck of the woods, John? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, the, the schedule is going to get tougher. Uh, we don't, they, or the Ravens don't have a divisional game again for uh, quite some time. I don't think till like week nine or something. So they still have four games against the Steelers and Bengals to to worry themselves about. I'd say at best they go two and two in those. Uh, so that puts them behind the eight ball in the division to an extent. Uh, there's some other tough games down the stretch. I know that that New England uh, is coming up in December, I believe. Uh, there, there's just too many tough games. I think that the the, the Ravens showed some vulnerability last week, especially uh, in the secondary, uh, to where I think that they're going to be able to kind of get gashed whenever they face a good quarterback. So I think that's going to be a major concern. And uh, frankly, I, I worry about Flacco's ability to move the ball down the field in general. I know that Steve Smith obviously is having a nice fantasy season, but uh, obviously when the chips are down, Flacco was unable to get the Ravens even to the 40-yard line to give Justin Tucker a shot last week. So I, I think that offense uh, can definitely stagnate uh, more often than not, and that's a concern. Well, John, uh, so that's, that's really why we, we're lucky to have FanDuel to be able to play. Even if our teams don't pan out as we hope, we can still have fun every week with the fantasy game, and FanDuel really sets out to make it easy for every budget. Uh, I'm, I'm really hooked on this. I, I joined last year when I was first introduced to it, and I love play in all the sports, but football's got a particular affinity for me for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. So we remind everybody to have all the fun that fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. There's a special offer right now for new users where you get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, 
but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, John, it's time for our lineups. Who you got at the quarterback position? All right, this is going to sound very strange, but uh, I think this is, a, this is one where in a tournament setting, uh, this is a really good way to differentiate yourself. I think Brian Hoyer of the Chicago Bears coming in at a, at a clean 6,000. Going against Indianapolis, uh, he's actually been slinging it. He's got two weeks in a row with over 300 yards and two touchdowns. That's pretty remarkable for, for a guy that we remember you know, from last year uh, being absolutely lost in the playoffs against the Chiefs you know, when, he was the, when he was the Texas quarterback. But you know, now that Cutler's out, uh, Hoyer's just been able to, to find these receivers underneath uh, and, and really kind of connect with them early. So even if Kevin White's out this week and Alshon Jeffrey's a little bit banged up, going against an Indianapolis defense that ranks 30th in, in overall uh, DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, I think that that's a, that's a really favorable uh, thing if you want to separate, separate yourself a little bit at the quarterback position and allow yourself to uh, really stack up elsewhere. Well, I'm not going to go that route, John. I'm going to go for the top of the board. Tom Brady's coming back this week. That's all I needed to hear. And he's not even the highest-priced quarterback at 8700 bucks. This is a no-brainer for me. He's been chomping at the bit and no doubt stewing over his suspension. Brady and the Pats, uh, John, have they, they've had a history of laying a beatdown or two on opponents after previously receiving discipline from the league. Their opponent, the Browns, are a legit 0-4. They stink. This, yeah. game, this game streams an absolute mismatch, and it will be in the class of the Globetrotters versus the Generals or the Christians versus the Lions. I'm not talking the Detroit Lions here. <laughs> look up your history. Take Brady, sit back, and relax. This is going to be a wipeout. What about your running backs, John? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit of top of the board and then a little bit uh, bargain here. I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell. Uh, checking in at 8,600 against the Jets. I mean, he racked up almost 180 yards of total offense. If there are any questions about him being the absolute workhorse out of that backfield uh, coming back uh, from suspension, you know, given, given how well D'Angelo Williams did, um, I'd, you know, it's very clear that, that Bell is definitely the guy. He looks completely in shape. That He looked like, uh, like there's absolutely uh, no ill effects from, from sitting on the sidelines for a few weeks. So, Facing a Jets defense that, uh, admittedly, is pretty tough, but uh, it's it's on the same wavelength, I'd say, as the Chiefs. So, uh, you know, Bell gets him at home. I think that he's going to be able to slash him and gash him with his 20-plus touches. Uh, you'd, you'd imagine he's, he's good for at least 100 total yards and, and I, I think, a trip to the end zone as well. And then uh, Terrence West, uh, he's checking in at 6,400 for the Ravens. Uh, going against a Redskins uh, run defense that's allowing 4.9 yards per carry, which is 31st in the league. And with West, uh, you know, the, the Ravens' backfield has sort of been a nightmare for fantasy owners in both season-long and daily because people just haven't known which guy is going to be getting the ball. But now that Forsett is officially out of the picture, I think it's pretty clearly uh, Terrence West's show. And if you have any sort of uh, trepidation because Kenneth Dixon is supposed to be active, uh, if you really think that, that a fourth-round pick that, that's missed uh, the first four games of the season is really going to significantly cut into Terrence West's touches, then I'm not really sure what to tell you. I'd be more worried about Buck Allen personally. Uh, but I think regardless, I think Terrence West showed what he can do last week when he, when he is given the ball. 
uh, you know, over double-digit times. Uh, he paid off with over 100 yards on the ground. I think he's going to be able to do that again against the Redskins. I'm going to pick a couple of guys in between the ranges that you've identified, your two players. First of all, I'm going to take Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys at 7900 bucks. This rookie leads all NFL rushers, John, with 417 yards on the ground through four weeks, getting more confident and looking more polished every week behind what is being touted as the best offensive line in football. These aren't my words. These are the words of real experts, John. So I'm, I'm not overstating this. I really don't think anyway. Uh, as long as Dez is out of the lineup, the Cowboys will lean on the ground game a bit more, and they need to keep a potent Bengals offense off the field. So for those reasons, I think Dallas will run a lot, and Zeke will be most of that action. And I'm sure he's a guy that will target 100 yards and, and possibly touch the end zone stripe as well. Uh, my partner for him is Eddie Lacy of the Packers. Speaking of a guy who finally touched the end zone and got 100 yards, that's what this guy did last week. He's priced at 7100 bucks, and I think we're starting to see that he's, he's getting a little bit on track in the ground game there. It'll be a big part of their uh, attack as well because they face a similar opponent to the Cowboys, and they want to keep uh, Eli and company on the sidelines as much as possible. But the Packers are also going to run up a big scoring total, I think, here. I see a big game for them and a punishing back being a part of it. Uh, I'm all over Eddie Lacy at 7100 bucks. Uh, your run, uh, wide receivers, John, give me a trio of your picks. Um, I think Amari Cooper to start me off at 7200. I really want uh, as much of that Oakland-San Diego game as I can get. And I think the, the, the problem on one side of that, if you're, if you're going the Chargers route, is you, it's in, almost impossible to predict which of their pass catchers is going to be the one that, that is sort of the, the flavor of the week for Philip Rivers. Uh, whereas on the other side, uh, it's pretty clearly Amari Cooper or Michael Crabtree. And I think, you know, people might be enamored by, by Michael Crabtree's three touchdown performance last week. Uh, I think you may be, and, it, uh, you know, that's totally understandable. But I think with that, I think people are maybe forgetting about Cooper a little bit. And I think Cooper's going to remind everybody uh, who the top dog is uh, this week. So, uh, he's going to be able to take advantage of that San Diego secondary that also just lost their best cornerback for the year in Jason Barrett. Uh, so I love that matchup. Raiders are going to put up points. Cooper's going to be a part of that show. Um, and then I have a, a total uh, GPP flyer again. Uh, same team as Brian Hoyer. Uh, Cam Meredith, who's uh, priced at the minimum value at 4500 He's expected to, to fill the, the Kevin White role. So he's, he's going to get all the snaps that Kevin White was getting. And I mean, that's, I mean, it's, again, it's a complete lottery ticket uh, going against, but you're going against Indianapolis's uh, very shoddy secondary uh, that's a little bit banged up. And, you know, even when it's fully healthy, I don't think it's a particularly good unit. So I think Meredith is going to be able to see, uh, you know, upwards of seven, eight targets. And if, you know, if he can haul in five, six of those targets, maybe 50, 60 yards, uh, you know, that's a pretty solid day out of, out of a minimum price guy. And, you know, if he, if he hits the end zone, you know, all the more better. And then A.J. Green would, would be my final one. Um, I know he's expensive, but, uh, you know, using a guy like Meredith kind of gives you the flexibility to, to go up and get a guy like Green that, uh, you know, I know this secondary for Dallas has been uh, better this year, but uh, A.J. Green can make Darrell Rivas look like a fool. I think he can certainly make uh, a guy like Mo Claiborne uh, look pretty foolish as well. So I, I definitely like Green to have to continue his warpath of a season where he's already had a few games of well over 170 yards uh, receiving.
I love that call, even though he's facing the Cowboys, and it'll be interesting to see what that matchup against Claiborne looks like. And I, I share your sentiments. Um, I'm not looking forward to that aspect of this matchup. They've got to find a way to control him. I can see him having a big game for you, John. I'll go with my trio, Jarvis Landry, for 7500 bucks for the Dolphins. Landry ranks second in the league in receptions, fourth in targets, and receiving yards with an average of 93 yards on the, uh, in the air. He has only scored once uh, so far this season, though, and that's a bit of a concern as the featured receiver in this offense. I think he's going to continue to get his targets on a consistent basis, and it's only a matter of time before he scores again, and it could as, might as well come this weekend against a Tennessee defense that's in the middle of the pack and offers him a good shot at another productive day overall. Uh, Jordan Matthews was held in check. He's a $7,000 plate on the board this weekend. He was held in check last week, but he retains his profile as the Eagles' top receiving threat, having developed a pretty good chemistry with Wentz, uh, the rookie sensation in Philadelphia, uh, through the first uh, four weeks of the season. Uh, I see him coming up with big totals against the Lions defense that ranks at the bottom, in the bottom third of the league again, uh, against the pass, and that affords uh, Wentz and Matthews to, to make up for some uh, lost opportunities last week. And finally, I'm going to go with Michael Crabtree of the Raiders at 6900 6, You got a close-up look at him last week. He torched the Ravens' defense oh, yeah. for three TDs and seven catches, but your guys still pulled it off. Uh, that got my attention, though, John. This week, it looks like a much easier assignment against the Chargers' defense that has allowed the sixth-highest passing yards per game with a 289 0.5 yards per game total. Crabtree, for his part, is seeing almost 10 targets a week and is in the top five in the league in receptions, with, which includes four total TDs already. All those numbers suggest a big game for him, and uh, I think this is a pretty cheap price to get him at in that circumstance. At the tight end position, John, you're not going to surprise anybody, are you? I don't know. I feel like people are starting to, to fade Gronk. I think a lot of people are very frustrated with uh, his returns uh, as a first-round pick uh, as far as uh, people season-long is concerned. You know, anytime I've brought up Gronk to anybody, it seems like, yeah, he's burned me two weeks in a row, man. He's killing me right now. I'm looking to trade him, blah, blah, blah. But I think Brady's return means absolutely everything to this offense, and it means everything for Gronk. So I, I can't imagine... You know, even if the practice reports coming out of New England, which are always pretty nefarious, you know, say that, you know, Gronk still limited, still not really doing anything. I think uh, when it's time to put the helmet on Sunday, uh, Gronk will not look like his hamstrings bothering him at all. And I think that Brady is going to make a point of finding him early and often. So I, I think, you know, this is a week to stop fading Gronk and, and, and you know, hopefully uh, kind of be on a side where he's not a super, super high ownership, even if it is going against the Browns. So I think Gronk should be tight end number one this week. And I think if you use some of those value picks I suggested earlier, you can definitely fit him in. Yeah, I'm going to go with a guy. Uh, there's a ton of injuries at the tight end position, John. I really didn't want to pick my, my favorite player in all of football, Jason Witten. But I started to look at the other injury situations around the league. And, and uh, he was the first val good value player that I found. So I'm going to go with him because of the fact that there's a ton of injuries in, at this position around the league. And then you look at what he's really tried, done so far. Uh, I'm going to build the case for him. Uh, while Des is sidelined, I mean, there was a sequence last week when Prescott went to him on three straight plays, and it looked to me like Witten, he's so consistent, he knows how to get open and is going to see a lot of targets, and he looks like he can get open at will, really, in this conservative passing attack. It's that simple, and it's legit. I'm pretty confident that he's going to have another big game this weekend.
win or lose. Uh, we gave you our kicker options earlier, and uh, John's choice, choice was McManus, and I took Crosby for the Packers. So we'll move ahead to the defenses. John, who do you like uh, defending the ball? Uh, I love the Minnesota defense. Uh, that is just a mean, uh, mean group with bad intentions, and uh, they're they're sitting at 4,800. And if you watch the game last week. You know, aside from, from one sort of broken play to Paul Perkins, where Perkins kind of just made everything work, um, I think that, that that was a pretty dominating performance uh, from that team. And they, they face a Houston squad that has shown uh, an ability to to not show up, basically, on, on offense. And that's partially on Brock Osweiler, that's partially on the coaching staff, uh, what have you. But, I mean, going against a, a defense as talented and as deep uh, and as multiple as the Vikings. I think that spells big trouble for, for Houston. I have trouble seeing Houston, uh, you know, getting getting even close to the 20-point threshold uh, on that defense. So I think that we're going to see a lot of sacks coming fr from the Vikings, and I think we're going to see a couple turnovers forced uh, and a low point total that they're holding the, the Texans to. So I think at 4,800, uh, Minnesota is a definite lock uh, as far as the defense goes. You just, you know, put them in. Don't even worry about it. I think especially going against the Houston offense that can, that can really uh, go ice cold. Well, I love that pick week in, week out. That's certainly a defense that you got to consider. But another one that uh, is sneaky good is the Buffalo Bills, I think, at 4600 bucks, I tend to look at the lower tier of options here and, and highlight a club that has a good chance to shut down an opponent at the same time. Uh, talked about the Rams offense. They trail the entire league with an average of 269 yards of total offense, John. So we, we talked about Gurley's struggles earlier. The, the aerial attack is not much better, and certainly Case Keenum at quarterback doesn't scare anybody. The Bills are coming off a shutout, albeit against that undermanned Patriots team from last week. They're a confident bunch that is fourth in the league in sacks and has allowed a total passer rating of 79.2, which is one of the best marks in the league. That's, to me, uh, about as no-brainer as your Minnesota pick. I think those are the two picks that leap off the board in terms of defense yes. this week. Uh, your must-start guy, John. You've got to have a guy in mind. Uh, I'm going to go with A.J. Green. This is a guy that, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm using the, the optimizer on Sunday morning, uh, I'm going to lock in A.J. Green on our website and then, you know, kind of build the lineups uh, from there. I just think that he's just on this unbelievable tear right now. Uh, he's, he's had a, a nice, uh, you know, extra couple days of rest having la played uh, last Thursday. I think that matchup might be a little bit better than people might uh, think just on paper. And I, I really do think that he's in for another day where, where we're going to see him go for 150 plus and, and potentially a score uh, with, the, with the bunch of catches in between. Well, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. This is a no-brainer on the board. I like that one. Uh, I told everybody already, he's fired up to get his 2016 season started, and it faces a poor opponent. There may be a viewer's discretion warning before this game, that John. This is <laughs> there should, I mean, there should be. Yeah, this is how, one that screams a mismatch, and uh, I think there's going to be some big, big uh, totals on that side of the field. Mm -hmm. So there you have it for John McKechnie. You can follow John at Johnny McKex. I'm Paul Bruno. You can follow me at Statsman22, and we wish you good luck with your FanDuel picks. Come back to listen to our podcast on a daily basis to get an edge on the competition. So long, everybody.